welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Today's guest is Neil Bedwell. Neil is the co-founder of Local. He's a keynote speaker, world-class marketer, and change leader with 20 years of experience working inside some of the world's best companies. So stay with us. So, Neil, thank you for joining this episode. Hey, it's great to be with you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation and to understanding what does it mean, world-class marketer? And, you know, I searched your website and I really connected to the messages that you put there. Mainly, I connected to the saying that you wrote, real transformation comes from within. So, you know, I looked at it and I said, okay, this resonates within me. This is what I'm doing in companies, but he's talking about world-class marketer and marketing and branding. So I was curious to see what do you mean about it, if you can elaborate on your perspective and what, what you are doing in companies. Yeah, and I think it's probably 25 years now. Got some gray hair up here. <laughs> I'm trying to hold on to it. So marketing is, an, is a, I'm going to call it misunderstood. I've been doing this since before the dot-com boom of like, you know, 99, 2000, and it's misunderstood then and it's misunderstood even more now. Most people, when they think about marketing, they, they actually see in their mind's eye advertising, which is the creative output of, you know, of marketing. We call it marketing communications. It's the sort of, it's the end, one of the end outputs of a marketing department or a marketing team. So it's not wrong, but it's not the whole picture. And so I spend a lot of time reframing repositioning what marketing is uh, with a lot of, uh, of clients and uh, rooms full of very smart people who have just sort of grown up thinking about in, the, in, in their industries, thinking about marketing as a team over there that, that sells our products, you know, creates nice looking videos and films and posters and, and, and social and digital media, um, mm-hmm. creative to, to reach new audiences. Marketing is much, much bigger than that. It's actually a horizontal, uh, I'm going to call it a mindset. It's a, it's a way of approaching everything. Our simple definition, which I would love people to take and build on, and, and it's, it's something that we want to spread and, and get people, more people to understand is this. Marketing is actually the orientation of everything you do as a business around your audience. So there are some of the greatest companies out there, and you know, it's cliche, but it's true, Nike, uh, Apple. These are marketing companies because everything that they do is oriented around a, an audience and a mission and vision around that audience. You know, Nikes, if you have, you know, we, we make innovation and uh, inspiration for every athlete. And if you have a body, you're an athlete. So their audience is, any, is everybody, every human being. And, it, and their mission is to, is to create things to get them moving off the couch or to a world-class marathon. They orient everything they do from product and design to list logistics and distribution to customer service to to the stories that they put out there in the world around that audience 
That's mm-hmm. marketing. So if you can think about that and, and think then that, yes, there is a marketing team, but actually marketing is, is a mindset that everybody can adopt. And I'm going to make a, my best case for the HR uh, and IT leaders of the world to actually be marketers too, hopefully during this conversation, then you can also apply it to other audiences other than your customers on the outside. Mm-hmm. What we do is apply it to the customers on the inside of every company, the employees. So we are our sort of founding belief, and this is through real experiences inside really big companies of misalignment of ideas and new initiatives failing because you haven't got the buy-in of other team members, other divisions, other market teams, other parts of the company, other employees like you, is that you need to win over employees in order that they, well, let's, let's take what's happening right now, in order that they stay with you and don't leave, in order that they listen to you and take to heart the direction that the company is going in order they adopt the behaviors that are necessary in order to make that vision and mission real and that they bring their whole self and their whole skill set and their whole passion to work. You don't get that with a paycheck. Paycheck just is just attendance. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just bought my, my time. You didn't buy my belief, my caring, my passion, my, my desire. To, my commitment. To, yeah. My commitment to do something. You have to earn that and earning that attention, that belief is the, the job of marketing, orientation around the audience. We just do it with employees instead of customers. But it's exactly the same methodology because they're exactly the same people. The people who buy your stuff on the outside are the ones who also work for you on the inside. And they don't change when they walk in the door, clock in and start working. They're still, they still have the same emotional drivers. They're still the same people. So our belief is that you can apply the same techniques. Amazing. So you actually talk uh, about... I define it as internal communication, right? Like marketing, it's kind of a communication. You need to communicate your values, your belief system, your higher purpose of the company in order to engage their employees. So you're doing it. For me, marketing, yes, as you said at the beginning, it's outside, right? It's towered our customers, our community. But actually, you're taking this perspective and saying, okay, we need to also marketing not only outside, but also inward through our employees, through our Because kind of our employees, they are also our customers, right? We need to engage them from a deeper place. As you said, not only put in a slogan, uh, you know, today there's also the definition of uh, brand uh, employers. So I think it's in the same place. But what you say for me deeper because it connects the inner world and the outer world. See it like this. Yes, there's communications is a part of it. Yes, employer branding is a part of it. But in the same way, if I can use, you know, pay my respects to Nike again, they don't just have a good tagline and a good, you know, a good TV ad. Everything that they do creates a Nike experience. And so what we're saying is, yeah, you need to brand your, you know, the reasons why you would need to capture and position the reasons why you would work somewhere. You need to communicate well so that everybody understands what's happening. But you also need to create an experience that those promises you make in those communications are real. Otherwise, they're just words. But I actually feel them like, that, that I, I feel them every day, right? And so, and that is around influencing culture mm-hmm. and how marketing techniques can actually influence culture. You can't create so, culture. I want to pause you here, sorry for cutting you, because I wanted to mm. catch this word. Uh, marketing the culture. Can you give me an example of what does it mean when you're working with a client? What does it mean to market the culture? What do you do? And what are the experiences that you 
create in order to create alignment between the experience and the and the values and the you know the posters as you said before yeah I, I'll get to I'll get to kind of an example in a minute but let's let's put it together so companies and leaders don't create culture they have an influence on culture but culture is created by the people by the the employees that work there we are uh, the definition we use for culture is very simple it's the things that are happening when you as a leader aren't looking it's the norms that exist inside a company when the boss isn't there that's culture so you can not create it but you can influence it the, the way in which that culture is created is by the meeting of individual mindsets so I'm not going to get too sort of deep and, and theoretical here but everybody who works in a, inside a company is an, is an individual they come together around shared values and shared beliefs. What brings them together is actually stories. They're shared understanding of why they work, where they work, and, and what this company is about. Good cultures have strong, positive stories. Bad cultures have weak, negative stories. If we collectively feel like the, boss, the bosses of our company don't care about us, how are we going to behave? That's going to influence the culture, and we're either going to leave or we're going to bring the bare minimum to To our work each day but if we actually feel like the company values us then we're going to value the company and we're going to bring bring that so if you take to heart that you can't create culture you can only influence it and that stories shared stories are the way in which influence happens then it's about creating the right stories intentional consistent storytelling a lot of what we do is in we're inside very very big companies uh, I can't give you specific examples of that because of uh, the, the sensitive nature of working inside any company. Um, but a lot of the work that we do is to take a complex vision, values, growth strategy that's understood in the C-suite and turn it into a story that's understood everywhere. So um, we are working with a very large uh, waste and recycling business. And there they have a very, very complex business Very powerful growth strategy that we need to translate into language and experiences that are understood as the teams drive those trucks up and down your street collecting your trash and your recycling mm-hmm. they're not going to look at a 100 slide PowerPoint presentation about the future of the company they need to it needs to be simplified translated presented in a story that they can share with between themselves so that's that's the job the job is to is to simplify translate and bring the something complex into something simple and shareable and memorable, which is, by the way, the same way that if you want to launch a new car out there in the world, uh, I always use this example. If you ask an engineer, I used to be an engineer in, in the automotive world a long time ago, so I have a heart for this. If you ask an engineer to explain what's great about this new car, they're going to tell you the 678 new features that this car has, and they've worked hard on every single one. But I know as a marketer that I've got about three cars seconds of attention with my audience. So I've got to find the one feature that grabs their attention. It's about understanding the audience, what do they care about, and then finding the part of this complex thing we want them to understand that they, that's going to resonate with them that they can grab hold of. Mm-hmm. And then it's about the journey you take to, to introduce some of those other features, some of those other elements over time. So I'm still, sorry for nagging, but I'm still trying to understand The specific example, okay, so it's creating a story, you know, but, and I need to say that I, there is something I disagree about the culture because culture is right. I think the leader does impact the culture, 
They mm-hmm. do create the values and the employees are part of creating the values. That's right that a lot of the culture, the norms are created and emerged from the interaction between people. But as leaders and managers, we can impact the way the company goes, where we want to, to head and to create the values and understand how it implements in the day to day. So it's not only the norms that we created, it's also the value, the belief system. So it's a lot of three layers, like Shine talked about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's influence though. It's not creation. You can't just, you can't create a, uh, a culture out of a box and say, this is who we are. But you can, as a leader, have, in, have in, outsized influence because you have a bigger stage, a bigger voice, bigger reach. And so we, a lot of the work that we would do is also guiding leaders on how to create the right kind of influence from that, that stage that they have. So if I'm a manager, an executive or founder of a new company that I want to lead my company to engage the people, what tip would you give me to do? Listen. Nobody listens. Good. I love uh, it. Nobody listens. That's right. <laughs> um, an old boss and mentor of mine used to say, we have uh, two ears and one mouth. Uh, for a reason, you should use them in that ratio. We don't stop to listen to anyone. We just, we just talk. And so I think that for any leader, any, any size company, you've got 10 employees or you know, 100,000, actually taking time to understand what it's like for your employees to work at your company. And that doesn't mean your uh, annual employee engagement survey, which is really just a measure of how the employees are doing the things you want them to do, not how they're feeling. Not how, how ready they are to go into battle with you, how willing they are to stay with you. There's such a gap in really truly understanding how people are feeling. And the marketing guy in me for the last you know, 20 years or whatever it is, most of that has been spent actually trying to understand customers on the outside. So you and I are both customers, right? Do you give every single piece of brand communication you know, your time as you walk down the street? Or do you just ignore everything until one thing maybe grabs your attention? Right? You don't, you, 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 you're, you're a uh, highly cultured, highly selective consumer of mm-hmm. stuff on the outside. Employees are exactly the same. Like, mm-hmm. And so what we would do in order to try and un- understand how to be that one piece of communication, that one brand that actually stops you in your tracks, is try and understand as much about you as we can. Try and listen and almost understand your full life in order to find a place in it for our soft drink or our car or our pair of sneakers. We have to do the same with employees. They, we assume total sort of uh, compliance. You know, I, I call it the assumption problem. It's like, you, as a leader, you're like, well, I, I pay all these people, so they will do what I want, what I want them to do, um, which is like saying, well, you know, I'm, every customer is going to do what, I, what my ad tells them to do. We don't think that way on the customer side of marketing. We start with apathy, mm-hmm. total ambivalence. Couldn't, give, couldn't care less. And if you start with apathy, you're going to behave in a much different way to build empathy with that, with that audience. But if you start with compliance, you're going to just instruct people rather than inspire them, try and win them over. We, we go straight to, here's what I want you to do, but instead of actually saying, here's why you should care about this. Here's why you should believe in this. That's the difference, I think. Yes, I could agree more with you because this is the new leadership, creating space for people to show up, to listen to yeah. what they need and to engage them from a deeper place. Otherwise, they won't be with you, right? It doesn't work anymore. Right. The time they may boss. Okay, they have a lot of other opportunities. So they why do. should you work with us, right? So you say it's really important today. And, you know, we're in the post-great resignation. I don't know if it's, you know, now it's a session. But I think 
the new the Z generation and the Y generation are asking themselves tough questions and they won't be in our company if they won't be engaged, if, if they won't be able to connect to our story, to the higher purpose. So what I'm hearing you saying that today we need to put emphasis on creating the right story with the employees, mm-hmm. engaging them from a social process and from this place, creating the culture that will resonate outside, but the marketing outside need to be based on a crucial essence that we live according to it. Because, you know, usually when we're in the companies, okay, we have a belief system values, but then there's a gap between the value that we put on the on the wall between what's happening in the day to day. So what actually you're doing in the process, you're helping them to close this gap or create yes. new ones? Okay. So we we often work with a defined set of values and they're often really good values. You know, rarely do we come across a, a, a you know, something at the highest strategy level of, of an organization where, where it hasn't really been thought through. The problem is really just connecting it down to, to hour by hour, day by day behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those behaviors, if you are, if, if it's about trust or if it's about respect or, you know, whatever your values are, how do I feel that value lived out, played out in every meeting, in every email that I receive, in every, you know, every conversation that I have with a, with a colleague or a, or a, or a manager or, or anybody? That's the gap that we're trying to bridge. And that's what employees feel is that like, you say this, but I feel this. And often these things like values, if we stay on that, presented in a town hall by the CEO, beautifully articulated. And then we leave the town hall and I've been this guy and I walk back to my desk and nothing's changed. And I don't feel any of those words. They're just words, right? And so in the same way that you can't make a promise in an ad that your product or service doesn't deliver out in the, in the external world, the customer world, you can't make a promise in your values that your, that your employee experience doesn't deliver. And that's the gap. You mentioned the great resignation, which I'm sure has been a conversation you've had with almost everybody, you know, for the last six, nine months. I think it's, it's kind of more of a reawakening around that gap. It's the reason that people are leaving is not because they're not getting paid enough. There are better paid options, right? There's, we know that, but that's coming from the talent market. That's coming from the fact that people like, we can't hire the people we want to hire anymore. But it's actually the main drivers for leaving companies is not feeling valued. It's, mm-hmm. is the words that you say and the experience I have, there's a huge gap. You're not treating me the way that you are professing to, to, to treat people. Uh, I'm not getting that. And particularly from a manager to employee level. So not, you know, rarely, rarely do, you know, if you like the frontline employees, customer service or logistics, whatever, rarely do they get to spend a lot of time to sit with the CEO and actually, you know, feel those values. So they're getting it from their, their direct manager. And there's a huge gap there. And so we spend a lot of time trying to understand how you take values from that most senior level and turn them into daily behaviors that people can live out and then incentivize around those behaviors, design ways of working that promotes those behaviors. And really, there's three things that people want at work. There's the individual thing, there's the team thing, and then there's sort of the, the bigger world. Mm-hmm. So if you take the individual, I, I want to know that I, I can grow, which doesn't necessarily mean get promoted or get a better paycheck. It might mean um, take on more responsibility, get the shifts that I want, that I can improve as an, as an individual. The second one is in relation to my peers and having strong, trusting, positive relationships. I actually want to enjoy 
and, and feel my time with my, with my colleagues and feel respected by them. And then the third one is impact. Mm-hmm. If these things that I do, I fill in these fields in a spreadsheet every day, right? That's my job. Does it do anything? Does it create any value on the outside? Like if I stopped doing it, would people be sad? Would, it, mm-hmm. would, would the world be a weaker place? Everybody wants to know that when they show up, we spend half our waking adult lives working, right? When we show up every day at that time, does it do anything? You know, and, and you mentioned that uh, Gen Y, Gen Z, um, I have a nearly 13-year-old, um, and even she talks about this stuff. It's the question that people are asking themselves, younger people, is not uh, where do you work or what do you earn, but why? Why do you work there? Mm-hmm. Um, and you need a good story for that. Oh, I work here because, and they're looking at, well, what, does, what role does this company play in the world? Is it doing yeah. good or is it doing bad? Because there's an awful lot of angst and very serious concern about what's coming, about where the world is going from, you know, it relates to climate, for example. You want, which, which side of the line are you on? Um, and so there's a why, and we focus a lot on that, on trying to give a meaningful why that pull, is pulled from the direction the company wants to go in, but is framed for, in a way that every employee can understand so that they can, make that, they can answer that question. So, yes, I agree with you. I, I talk about the fact that, yes, employees are looking today in the workplace for meaningfulness, to a sense of community, right, to be connected and to have an impact on the world that won't come only for the paycheck at the end of the month. I think it's crucial nowadays. And, you know, it's really uh, resonated with me. Yesterday, I finished a course in one of the global companies, and it was really touching because the managers there told at the end of the course, told their HR that they really felt a scene in this course, be cared for. And, you know, it really touched me because I know that at this moment when they felt it, they will do it in their own teams and workplaces. So it really, it's what you said, actually. It's give them, lead by example. If you want them to care for their employees, care for them. Let people feel cared, right? We all want to feel feel cared, feel respected, trusted, Mm -hmm. seen, 100%. Um, I think what's happening now is that that pain has always has always been there but it's uh, it, it's now okay to talk about it it's now surfaced it's now it, it I, and i and i now have choices used to be you just grateful for the job right now now we have choices and we're like well i don't feel cared for here but over there they're talking about that i'll go over there and another thing that you say you know you say we talk about values but we feel differently and i think also this is part of the transformation that we are going through nowadays it's okay to bring feelings to the workplace. We are human beings. We are yeah. feeling things. But it wasn't okay a few years ago. You know, we need to be rational, professional, increase the ROI. We thought that bringing emotion will decrease the ROI, but it's the opposite way around, right? Yeah, totally. Well, well, think about the name of the department that looks after these incredible, emotional, individual, creative creatures that work inside every company. Resources, human resources. Resources don't have feelings. Resources are to be organized and managed. It's completely the opposite of what people actually want. But I, I, there's, there's an important addition to this conversation, which is to take it from just the, you know, caring for people because it's the right thing to do, but there's also business to grow, targets to hit. So think of it like this. I'll use a, a simple example uh, of an airline. So let's imagine that I want to come and visit you in Israel. And I'm in, the, I'm in the US. So there are a number of different airlines that can take me on that journey never made that journey before. So I start doing my research. So probably the first things that are going to come to mind are some of the advertising that the different airlines have have created. And one of those is going to resonate with me. One is, oh, I like the the luxury, you know, 
service that, that you create or it's a better experience for a lower price or whatever those things are. Those ads cost millions and millions of dollars. Right? There's, there's, there is a huge amount, hundreds of millions invested in getting those ads out to reach people like me. So let's say I, I select that airline, uh, I go on the website and I'm able to on that website find that it, the uh, routes are going where I want them to go, the time is there, and even the price is, is what I'm willing to pay. That mm-hmm. website costs tens of millions as well. Um, then I, I make the booking and I download the app and the app allows me to check in and deal with my bags and do all those things. The app costs millions and millions of dollars as well. So there's all of this money invested in getting me um, ready to fly. So, and I'm, each one of those experiences has been great. The ad spoke to me, the website worked seamlessly. The app is, is giving me everything I need to arrive at the airport confidently. When I get to the airport, I go to the gate agent to check in. And the gate agent is overworked, undervalued, and miserable, and is rude to me. Mm-hmm. What is my airline experience? Bad. It's bad. Negative. Yeah. Right. And you spent all this money on all this technology and all this, uh, and all this advertising, and you didn't spend any money on making that gate agent feel valued. Wow. So in the world of customer experience, which is often pegged to growth, right? We CX. CX is a rounded way to look at it. It's a good marketing kind of approach because you're not just looking at the advertising you're doing. You're thinking about the holistic experience of that customer. And then you have employee experience, EX. EX drives CX. You can't deliver a customer experience without happy employees. Um, There is a piece of research that I've seen that suggests that the greatest driver of brand value, which is hurts, you know, advertising marketing folks, is not advertising and, and the marketing communications, it's customer service. But we're not investing in that. We're not treating that in the same way. Customer service is a cost to be minimized as opposed to an investment you can make to, for, so that your customer experience flourishes. So that, I think, is, is the, if you like, the more hard, rational, financial argument for investing in employees rather than just that we should care for people more. Yes, I really like this example because it was really strong example. See how much we've all been there, right? Yeah, we can put our money not in the right place and then the experience will ruin it all. So it that's the thing I'm gonna tell people about. That airline sucked. And you know usually if we have a great experience we will tell like one person and if we have a bad experience we will tell like eight persons. I think there's a piece of research that says exactly that. Like it's you know has an AX like impact if we have what do we do and we lost you lost me as a as a long term Maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to be a long-term frequent flyer. You lost me just because yeah. you didn't invest in it. And the impact of the bad experience would be so much more than the good experience. So you say we need to be smart and put the money in the right places and our employees are the right essence to invest in because they will take our customers through the experience. So it's something that we need yeah. to take into account seriously. Yeah, and... and- I love this because I think people have forgotten it. Um, the derivation of the word company comes from Latin through French. But it, it, if you simplify it, it basically means the communion around bread coming together to create something that we then share. So you can extrapolate that pretty simply to say, well, companies don't employ people. Companies are people, a group of people. I think we forgot that. And, and com- companies are now physical assets and shareholder value and all these other things. It's just really just a group of people. And if they're the greatest asset in your business and you seek to minimize the cost and minimize the creativity, mm-hmm. we try and organize people around what makes them the same, their job roles, rather than leverage what makes them different, which is their creativity and innovation and natural desire to, to, to solve problems, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, tons of, there's tons of value to, to be found 
in just looking after people and treating them as, as the incredibly valuable, valuable, unique individual humans that they are. That's great. Um, so what tip can you give uh, our listeners in order to nourish creativity in the workplace? I'm going to go back to what I said before. Um, listen, like find a way that you know more about your employees than your competitors, more, more about your employees than other places that they might work. And, and when you listen, they'll tell you what they need mm-hmm. and then do that. Now, you have to be smart in how you listen and you know, making sure that you, are not, <laughs> that you are not asking the questions that serve you, but you're actually asking the questions that serve them. And the, one of the other things that you probably heard of the, the concept of survey fatigue, it's normally the thing that we hear about, like, if you've got 100,000 employees, we're going to have to use some kind of online tool in order to connect with them. And you can design them in a lot of different ways. But we always hear this survey fatigue. And I don't believe it's a thing. Um, I actually think the, the fatigue is in the inaction after the survey. I keep filling these things out. And you don't do anything. It's the black hole. So do something afterwards. Make a change. Make, recognize what, what somebody has said. Most people want to know that they've been heard. That's right. So, um, yeah, just listen. You know, it's about your platform is around leadership. I think that leaders need to listen more. I couldn't agree more with you. I love that. <laughs> the message. Neil, is there any question that I didn't ask and you wanted to say, wanted me to ask? No, not at all. I always enjoy these kind of conversations. You probably, you know, get, so we, we're creating something relatively new. It is, an, you know, like all, all, all new things, it is an amalgamation of existing things. So we call what we do change marketing and it is a, the coming together, everything we know about consumer marketing uh, from working very big brands uh, and then some of the more progressive models from change management that allow you to actually understand how companies work, put those two things together and, and apply a marketing lens to change. So it's important when we put that out there in the world as we are, and it's something we've sort of invented and trademarked, it's not a replacement for change management, it's a complement. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that you, know, you, you still need to organize and manifest the change, but you also need to bring your employees along so that it happens with them rather than to them. And there's nothing in life that we want to happen to us rather than with us. We want to participate. We want to be, feel like we're part of it. So, you know, if I can leave anything in, in the minds of anyone listening, it, it's um, that marketing is a horizontal skill set that's at the disposal of anybody driving change. And it's just about orienting what you do around your employees, bringing them along on the journey, just like the very best brands do out there in your consumer lives. The reason that you have an affinity for, you know, a particular car brand, soft drink brand or sneaker brand is because you've been involved and brought along and inspired by that brand. It's very rarely that they just make the best products. We are emotional creatures and we connect much more deeply emotionally with, with brands and brands are emotional instruments than we do just with, you know, the features of a product, you know, and even as much as product, product people would like to, to, to believe that that's what, what wins people over. That tends to be the thing that we rationalize what we've done. Mm-hmm. based on an emotional decision. So it's good fun stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. And I really believe that, yeah, in order to engage people, I love what you said, you need to show up fully to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be empathic toward each other and create from this place, from this space, enable new things to emerge and creative ideas. And so I take it back to the communication because, okay, you call it marketing, but for me, it resonates with the internal communication. Communicate better with yourself and others and with your community, right? And your customers. And then you will be able to create 
better services, products, and better cultures, the people we want to be part of them. So I'll, I'll leave you with a quote. This is, I can't remember who said it, so forgive me. But if you look after your people, they will save you in ways you have yet to imagine. And right. think of it like that. Think of all those brains. Think of all that creativity that, that is as yet untapped because they don't believe in what the company's doing. If you create that belief, there's so much that, they, that can be done. Amazing. So I love this quote. Neil, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Um, it's easiest to, to jump to the website. It's localindustries.com. We're also on LinkedIn, same name, and you know, starting to, to tell our story. Uh, if I can pitch one thing, we do this thing called change marketing, which I've talked about. We do that for some of the, the biggest companies in the world with hundreds of thousands of employees. But we also distilled a marketing approach and toolkit for change and people leaders into a one-day course that we are now rolling out, which is accessible to everyone. If you are starting a company and you want to figure out how to create, you know, start it in the right way so that you can foster good culture, it's for you. If you're running a change project inside, you know, a Fortune 50 company, it's for you. Um, if you're starting out in HR or, or transformation, it's for you. So uh, we try to distill everything we know and we want to give it away as much as we can. Neil, thank you very much for being up. Thank you. Sharing your wisdom and uh tips and knowledge. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.